The current health crisis is affecting every aspect of our lives. Pastoral ministry is certainly not exempt and carries with it unique challenges and concerns. So, what are the issues you're facing and how are you handling them? Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for joining me for Hope Renewed. I'm Tom Jameson, and this is the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. It's where we explore the issues and situations that can put pastors at risk and share hope when ministry leaves us hopeless. This is a special episode of Hope Renewed, which we trust will serve you as you navigate these strange and stressful days. Sean Nemechek and I had a conversation about what issues pastors may be facing, the unique pressures they might bring, and ideas to live through this time well. Have you ever read Trellis and the Vine? No. Who's that by? Colin Marshall and Tony Payne. They're out of Australia. You got to hear how their their thought kind of thought experiment at the end of the book. This was written 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. The, in the last chapter, he closes with this. As we write, the first worrying signs of, of a swine flu pandemic are making headlines around the world. Huh. Imagine that the pandemic swept through your part of the world and that all public assemblies of more than three people were banned by the <laughs> government for reasons of public health and safety. He's a prophet. Let's say that due to some catastrophic combination of local circumstances, this ban had to remain in place for 18 months. How would your congregation of 120 members continue to function with no regular church gatherings of any kind and no home groups except for groups of three? Wow. (laughs) And then he goes on to to talk about it, what he would do. Just the thought that he had given to it, yeah. Now, in Michigan here, they've banned groups of two. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's basically you got to stay with your your family. Well, that, you know, that was one question that bubbled up in my head uh, over this whole thing has been will this time that that we're forced to not gather, and and not gathering isn't ultimately healthy for the church. We we need to be the body gathered together, but, you know, for this season, Will it help church leadership see what really is and what isn't necessary to be the church and to do ministry? Yeah. Uh, and and interesting to think about coming back together and, and realizing, you know, we didn't do that for eight weeks and it really didn't, nobody missed it. <laughs> it really didn't matter that we weren't doing it. I think it's going to cause people to value the in person gathering yeah more and, and heighten the the sense of relationship and yeah. the need to be connected that way i think i think when when we're able to come back together for a little while anyways regular attendance will be higher um just yeah because people will be coming every week for a while mm-hmm. rather than every other week or every third week or whatever for a while I, th- there was that um spike after 9-11 right uh, yeah where church i think it'll be a lot like that yeah, yeah yeah that's what i'm i'm kind of measuring that by and an opportunity for the church to just take advantage of people being present <laughs> who maybe normally aren't 
So there's there's a church in Jackson, Michigan. They're doing drive-in church. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I've seen so, a few churches like so that. So they, they put a platform on the roof of the church and the worship band and the pastor go up on the roof uh, and they broadcast to the radios and the cars and everybody stays in their own car. They said it worked really well last week. They're doing it again this week okay. with the governor's approval. So, yeah, very creative, very interesting. I saw a picture of, of one of our, we're live streaming, mm-hmm. uh, and um, one of our church members um, uh, sent a, a picture out. It was her little boy going to drive in church, and it was the, the TV with our pastor up there, <laughs> and he had all his matchbox cars lined. He probably had 100 cars lined up That's watching. That's hilarious. That's awesome. But there they were. I mean, yeah. it, you know, um, if we understand how technology is working, uh, we're seeing an incredible increase in those who are engaged in worship. Yeah. Probably twice as many people as would normally come on a Sunday morning. And a lot of the people who are engaging are people who wouldn't come to church. There yeah. Are people yeah. who are kind of on the fringes of uh, the church or, you know, friends of friends type of thing. Um, but they, they normally wouldn't mm-hmm. come to church on a Sunday morning. So there's some really interesting things happening that way. Yeah. And, and there's almost that sense of permission that's being given to say it's okay to stay home on a Sunday morning and watch church on TV. Yep. Whereas that's kind of a no-no, you know, oh no, you need to be coming out and be with the body and, and be connected. So that that may be giving people an opportunity to say, all right, since it's not, uh, I'm not going to be a pariah by doing this. I, I'm actually engaged the way other people are engaged. I'll go ahead and do this. Getting back to that thought of, of what might come out of this time, that the church might learn how to more creatively be the church. I think what you're going to see is uh, the pastors that, that are going to thrive through this are ones who have delegated some of the care of the congregation to other people. Either they're sharing it with the elders or they've found just a few people in the congregation that will go and, and uh, you know, call uh, maybe 10 people a week or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, because uh, the, the church has to care for the church. And if the pastors are trying to do all of that work right now, they're going to get fried. Well, and they can't. I mean, they're, they're just, they're not allowed. They, they can't minister to people in retirement communities because right. those are closed. Uh, they don't have people coming in for counseling sessions unless they, you know, arrange it over the, the internet or something like that. Uh, it's, it's really, I think it's probably forcing a, a lot of pastors to rethink how ministry is, is done. Right. Uh, in, I, I, and I guess maybe I'm, I'm hoping it's forcing pastors to rethink that and say, you know, wow, what, is this a, a model that could continue on um, when, when things get back to normal? Yeah. Brian Croft uh, tweeted this morning that he's going around to some of his seniors to their houses and he stands out in the front yard and talks to them from the front yard. Yeah. One of his uh, widows asked him to come to the front door and put his hand on the, the glass and she put her hand on the glass on the other side just so that there was some sense of connection with, with yeah. people. Oh, that's sweet. That's so powerful. I think, think some of the 
the isolation that people are going to experience through this will drive them to want more connection again eventually. Yeah. And like you said, to, to heighten our understanding of how valuable human connection is. Yeah. And particularly in the body of Christ, how important that connection is. Yeah. And then on the, on the other side is you brought up, you know, the pastors who maybe are struggling through this to know what to do either by trying to do it all themselves or just so flummoxed, whether it's because of, of their own confusion or I've, I've, I've been trying to put myself in, in uh, a pastor's seat uh, working through this since I'm not working with a local church in that role now. And what would be the particular challenges or the the direction, you know, apart from the, okay, we have to cancel services. Are we going to stream? Are we going to, you know, just kind of the, okay, so here it is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What am I doing today? <laughs> okay. I can work on my message. And um, I, I've been texting and, and messaging with pastors this week, uh, pick five at a time and just send out a quick text. How can I pray for you? And they've been responding and we've had some conversations. It's really interesting to see the responses. They're across the board, all different responses. Yeah. Find those who are in big churches are working a lot more hours. Mm -hmm. um, one pastor told me they're working 15 hour days right now. And he's the director of communications at his church. He says every two or three hours, the message that we want to send out to the church changes completely. And so he's got to rewrite everything and redo everything. Yeah. So they're yeah. doing work two, three, four times before it actually goes out. And it's exhausting. I had a pastor in a rural church who's a real extrovert type pastor. He just says to me, I am so bored. <laughs> <laughs> I miss people. Uh -huh. um, it's not that he's not doing the work. It's just not the way he would normally mm -hmm. do it. And again, getting back to that, that whole thing of, wow, maybe I need to rethink how I understand God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. uh, and what do I depend on to understand how the Lord is at work uh, when those things are maybe stripped away? Right. You know, things like, like process, things like connection, things, things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, you can anticipate and expect things and know, yes, we'll be getting together, uh, the Lord willing. And we say that, the Lord willing, and guess what? Well, another pastor I talked to said, God's just stripping away idols left and right mm. right now. You know, yeah. uh, we've got sports that's pretty much non-existent. Yeah. Uh, we've got school. So education's been taken away mm -hmm. largely. Um, people are being forced to gather um, you know, being families again is something we're learning. Um, our routines have been all shaken up. Uh, and so one of the, his points was, you know, maybe God's just showing us uh, that some of the things that we've gotten attached to uh, have, have been replacements for him. Mm. And now he's making, making us see we can be dependent on him and free from some of those routines, some of those yeah habits um and maybe the way the church has been operating is one of those mm -hmm. and, and there's there's that sense too uh, again 
I keep kind of connecting this through my experience with 9-11, since that's in my lifetime and I can remember that, yeah. of, of a heightened call and openness to trust in God. Yeah. Because things are so out of our control. Um, and, and that's, it's, it's an exciting thing to see. And certainly I, I'm very encouraged to see many segments of society who, who are turning to God. Uh, our local TV station has been ending their broadcasts with someone from the community offering a word of hope. And by and large, it's been lo- local pastors. Yeah, uh, who've just been talking about you know hoping in God, trusting in Christ, and and using that opportunity, and you know you never see that in a, in a normal circumstance. You can't allow that. And I wonder, will we learn that lesson? Yeah, you know, a year from now, where will our hearts be? Uh, you know, should this uh, whole crisis kind of die down in the summer, as some think, and you know, things get back to normal. And uh, a year from now, when gas prices are back up to 275 a gallon and uh, Disney World's open and, you know, all the things of life are normal again, uh, will we remember the lessons we learned? Well, that's the way it was with 9-11. You know, all of a sudden people are more interested in spiritual things for a while. Mm-hmm. But then once the stock market finally adjusted yeah. and got back on track and, you know, things were cleaned up and um, the news wasn't focusing on the devastation anymore, people forgot mm. and they walked away. Or 2008, the housing market the crash. crash. Yeah. You know, lots of people lost their jobs during that time. There were, um, there were layoffs and people losing homes and and we saw people coming to church again and then things got a little bit better and straightened out. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think sometimes these big events uh, will bring some back to the church for good or to the church for the first time mm-hmm. for good. Uh, some people will, will turn to God. Others will come casually, you know, uh, and then go away again once. Well, that, that sense of I have a need and this feels really good to, to be trusting in God. And when that need goes away, then so does my need to trust yeah. in God. Right. Uh, and, and I guess that to me is, is the real challenge for, for pastors, for the ministry leadership and for the church is to be thinking not so much right now, but how, I don't want to say, take advantage of to make it sound like, you know, we're going to, you know, really hop on people and, and, and get them while they're the getting's good. But, but this sense of, you know, this is a unique time, a unique opportunity. I mean, you and I both know that um, funerals oftentimes are just very sweet and precious times where people's hearts are open more to hear the hope of the gospel and and ministering to a family in the months following the the death of a loved one until a new normal takes place can can be critical uh and so how is the church even thinking through right now how are we going to offer what's good for your your new normal right i think one of the things that pastors have to look out for is who is really experiencing a transformation of heart through this versus who is just kind of self-medicating with religion. 
Mm. Not to ignore them, but, but to just discern, like you say. Well, Jesus, when you look at how, how the crowds came to him, he knew many of them were just coming to get their stomachs filled, mm-hmm. you know, to see the miracles. Or even for healings, yeah. Right. But he focused on those who were really transformed at the heart level um, and didn't really entrust himself to, to the others. And I think one of the things that we've done in the church is we've made it about the crowd, you know, getting the bigger crowd, more people coming in mm-hmm. uh, versus focusing on those whom the Holy Spirit is really changing um, from the inside mm-hmm. out. So this may be a, a, a time to, to really have a heightened sense of that. And to return to that transformative discipleship mm. uh, focus, uh, I think, is, is going to be huge. Because th- there are going to be a, a lot of people who are going to come back and mm-hmm. only be here for a little while and then go away again. And we can spend a lot of time and effort and money and passion trying to keep them coming when there's just no evidence the Spirit is, is actually doing a sustaining work in them. Or that they're not really open to the Spirit doing right. that work. So, right. so maybe two good questions for pastors to be thinking about asking, or even beginning to ask, is uh, my favorite question. So what's God up to right now? Mm-hmm. What, what's God yes. doing? And how will you allow him to continue that after the problems are gone mm-hmm. and just be really inviting and drawing people into that continual transformative work of the spirit in their lives. Yeah. I think the, the relational question of, of how is God um, speaking to me through this? What is he teaching me through this uh, is, is huge and uh, helping our people see that God is working, not just to provide for us, but to change us uh, from the inside out is is going to be huge. Mm. Um, you also, you know, mentioned funerals, and I think pastors for at least a while are going to have to change the way they do funerals too. When you think about it, no large gatherings. I've been seeing that different funeral homes have, have uh, come up with different ways of, of what they're doing, but there's a huge need. I, I just um, texted a woman yesterday who, who had a funeral yesterday and, and just the unimagined hardship of dealing with a tragic death. Mm-hmm. This, this was an untimely death. It was an accident. A young man died compounded by a prohibition to gather together to process that. Yes. And, and how do you bring hope into that huge challenge? I had a pastor contact me, you know, after I, I asked him, how can I pray for you? He says, I just had somebody in my church pass away, and I'm trying to figure out how I can comfort the grieving widow um, within the requirements, the restrictions that have been placed on us as a church. Uh, and he says, it's a real challenge. I can't do things the way I used to do them. If you look at, it, at how things are in Italy right now, Families aren't even allowed to be with their loved ones as they're dying. As they die. Well, and, and here too. Yeah. Um, just thinking of a, a, a story from a few days ago where someone died and their spouse couldn't be with them. And, right. and it wasn't even a death from coronavirus. 
Yeah. Uh, but it was just that, you know, sense of, of stemming the tide. And I know, I know there pastors and, and everyone is all over the place on this of, of what should or shouldn't be done and how much do we allow uh, our ministry to be dictated by the constraints of, of this epidemic, but also uh, of what the government's saying or leaders are saying about this and how much do we say, sorry, we're the church and uh, I'm willing to die. Uh, if that's the the case, uh, in order to do this, um, not an easy place to be uh, no. making those decisions. And that's one of the reasons that I've been telling pastors, you need to take care of yourself right now. Yeah. Because it's only going to get worse in the short term. Yeah. Um, you know, it may, may be just a few weeks, but it may be a few months that some of this drags out mm-hmm. and the, the demands, the emotional toll, uh, of ministry is going to get really hard during that time. Yeah. And so many of them right now are burning themselves out trying to get systems in place and and trying to make sure the larger gathering is together um when they they're just not going to have that energy that they they need to be able to minister to those who are going to need it the most. Well, and like you said, you know, just on this up we're still on the uphill side of this whole right. peaking thing and uh, learning as we go. And whenever you learn as you go, like you said before, you know, you do things two, three, four, five times before you get the final thing you're going to do. And, and all the energy that feels wasted on, you know, Oh gosh, we got this whole piece of correspondence ready to go. And now everything's changed and we got to rewrite it. Uh, or, you know, oh, we were going to do live stream and our internet crashed. What are we going to do now? You know, it, it just, yeah, is a very, very draining hugely draining time. So if I know I've got one thing in my mind, but I'm going to ask you first, what's the one thing you want to tell pastors to, to help them just to, to stay strong during these times? Well, I, I would say set a limit on your hours right now. Make sure that uh, at the end of the day, you say, I've worked hard, but this is enough for today. Uh, I'm going to trust the Lord that I've, I've done enough and, and go home, be with my family, get the rest that I need, rest in the Lord, spend some time in prayer. Just keep those, those emotional and spiritual batteries filled and ready for down the road when there are going to be times where we're going to have to put out more uh, to be able to care for people. Yeah. And it's a different kind of more than we're used to. Yes, we, we can't anticipate the kind of more that maybe we need because it's so different. And that, that's got to be doubly hard if a pastor is suddenly finding uh, himself working from home, uh, yeah. where boundaries can be really hard to, to draw. Uh, if your kids are running around or, you know, you're just like I am, I'm sitting in my living room thinking, you know, oh, there's 17 different things I could be doing right now that have absolutely nothing to do with ministry. And it would be really nice to go sit in my chair over there or really nice to work on that puzzle. And, and that, that, that's a huge discipline. I, the, you know, the one that struck me and it just, it is what it is, is this whole making sure that you're tending to um, your resiliency and doing that by, and it, it sounds counterintuitive uh, all the time, but especially now, spending more time 
in quietness with the Lord mm. uh, and just coming apart. It was Chuck Swindoll, I think, who said it. If you don't come apart with the Lord, you'll come apart in ministry. Yeah, uh, Dallas Willard said, uh, if you don't come apart for a while, you'll come apart in a while. Okay, that yeah, so... Uh, you know these these great minds, these these good pastoral uh, counsels to to make sure, especially in the demanding times, that you're coming apart with the Lord more, more right. deeply. And, and I'm just thinking of, of Jesus in um, in Mark somewhere, uh, <laughs> where it just it, it talks about that. You know, early in the morning, going out, just um, being alone. Uh, making it a matter of prayer, making it a matter of priority. And, and these times I'm sure can feel like they're warring directly against that. Mm-hmm. And it may be, I, you know, the, the other thought I've had is that there may be a lot of pastors who are sitting around twiddling their thumbs wondering, so what do I do? You know, every, my congregation's okay. Nobody's clamoring at me. I'm not getting all the phone calls. I don't know if there are any pastors who are experiencing this, but it may be. And they, they've got suddenly all kinds of time on their hand uh, just because of structure. Yeah, I would, I would say to those pastors, take advantage of that. How often do you get a chance to just take a, a breather? Mm. in ministry and and pull back I, there are pastors who don't have the ability to do live streaming uh, for their churches um, they're recording a message sometime during the week and then posting it to Facebook or their church's website on Sunday morning um, but uh, they largely throughout the week uh, don't have much to do I would say take some time and invest in your relationship with God, Mm. you know, spend extra time in prayer in um, in just nourishing your own soul with the word. Listen to PIR podcasts. That would be good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Those types of things that, that feed you that will deepen ministry later on that you normally don't get to do. Right. Yeah. So look at this as a gift from God. Yeah. I think uh, this is, for some of these pastors, it's, this is a great opportunity um, to get some rest, especially in some of these churches, they would never get a sabbatical. Mm. They would never be able to have an opportunity. I would say take full advantage of it right now uh, because it can, can help ministry in the long, long run. But do it wisely. We're not sitting here giving permission for every pastor to say, hey, Sorry, <laughs> I'm on break. It's, right. it's wisdom. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine getting all these phone calls now from, you told our pastor to just quit for eight weeks. And uh, not that at all. Uh, I mean, there's so much to be done. Every context is different. Every, every pastor is facing something different in their church. At the same time, I would say don't feel guilty about investing mm. in your relationship with the Lord during this time. Yeah. Um, we, I don't know what it is, especially in the American church, we have this thing about feeling guilty uh, when we're doing uh, this personal soul care stuff. Yeah. And it's just wrong. It's, it's backwards. And it, it hurts the church in the long run, I think. Yeah. So maybe a good question uh, a couple months from now or whenever, you know, we get there uh, is, is going to be to sit down with the with our friends and say, so what did you do with your eight weeks? Yeah. And to think through that. That's an, and to ask the church. So what did we do with this 
on the other side of this, some of these pastors are going to get to the end of these eight weeks and they're going to be so fried. Mm. Uh, their churches are going to need to give them another few weeks of break. Yeah. But they're going to be just getting back together, you know, and, and reconnecting. And so things are going to want to take off while the pastor is completely spent. Yeah. Uh, so it's something to anticipate. Um, yeah. You could, you know, um, I'm thinking of this again in terms of resiliency. I'm thinking of a rubber band, you know, that you stretch and stretch and stretch. And, and the church is being stretched right now. Everybody's being stretched. The whole society is being stretched right now. Um, and, and we hope not to a point where it snaps and breaks. But resiliency is is about coming back to that that normal shape or that new shape. Uh, hopefully, a better shape than than when you began. Um, but you can do that in a couple of different ways. One is to to come back to it kind of slowly and, and gradually as, as you bring that back. The other way is just to let go and snap back to, to normal. And that hurts sometimes. It does. <laughs> you know? And and I think we need to be, even now, kind of anticipating what will it look like that first week back when everyone can come back together? What will you do as a church? I heard one pastor say, our church won't be open on Easter Sunday because of the restrictions that the um, the state has put on us. So whatever Sunday we come back together, that's Easter Sunday. That's a neat idea. That's that's when we're going to celebrate Easter. Wow. Um, but that puts a lot of pressure. Easter Sunday is a big Sunday. Yeah, choirs can't be rehearsing right now. And <laughs> you can't right. practice the pageantry and all that. So I would say, you know, that's great. I think it's a great idea, but don't try and make it the big production that sometimes we make Easter. Yeah. Let it be a simple, honest celebration mm-hmm. rather than trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, um, just throwing an idea out here, um, we will uh, once a year have a Thanksgiving Sunday where the Sunday's kind of turned over to open mic just kind of uh, congregation, you know, people stand up and just share a, a word of thanks for the previous year uh, of maybe having that be something that's done on a first Sunday. So, you know, a pastor is not under that pressure to have the mm-hmm. perfect sermon coming back or, or anything like that, but to be able to just kind of guide the congregation in time of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. and, and to ask that question, where did you see God through all this? What what was God uh, doing yeah. through all this uh, to to take a time of testimony and celebration? Uh, I don't know. Could be a, a neat idea that that does answer that question of uh, not having the performance mentality that our first Sunday back has to be the best Sunday of worship we've ever done. Uh, you know, in the life of our congregation. Yeah, and maybe we'll just get away from that performance mentality altogether eventually. And, uh, that would be nice. And have a sense of community again. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? That might, again, one of those lessons that, that kind of creates the new normal. Um, that, that would be exciting. That would be mm-hmm. neat to see. We hope this conversation has been helpful for you. If you'd like to continue this conversation with us or simply want to connect with a caring, hope-oriented resource, please feel free to write us at info at pirministries.org or visit the contact portion of our website, pirministries.org. 
Our prayer is that as you are offering care, guidance, and hope in these days, you are receiving them as well. May our Lord Jesus strengthen you with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joy. You can learn more about PIR Ministries at our webpage, pirministries.org. Please know we stand ready to serve you and pastors you know facing the uncertainty and pain of forced vocational transition. Thanks for listening to Hope Renew. And remember, the hope of Christ does not put us to shame.